Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in. You're listening to Wrestling Changed My Life. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time, I spent wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to Wrestling Changed My Life. It's been a six-day hiatus for me where I haven't posted a new episode, but I was out in Seattle exploring Mount Rainier with a lady. But we're back. We have a great guest today. It's Travel Delagnoff multiple-time Olympian and world team member for the United States. And Tervelt shares some pretty crazy stories today. The first is, he talks about when he was at the Oregon and the Russians tried to bribe Zeke Jones. And yeah, you just have to listen to it. It's pretty crazy. He also breaks down the Sajulaya versus Snyder matchup. And then he takes us inside his mind during the 2012 Olympic semis which did not end well for him, but it's amazing to hear him talk about that breakdown, and I really think you'll enjoy it. Quick shout-out to my fan of the episode. It goes to Nate Heron out of Orlando, Florida. Appreciate you listening, brother. Keep on keeping on. Now, enjoy this episode with Tervel, folks. We'll be back with another one real soon. Okay, Tervel, welcome to the podcast, man. Thanks for joining. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited. We're going to hit on the... uh, the newly minted Olympic medal status a little later on. But yeah, I've, I've been fascinated to hear that you didn't get involved with wrestling until you were in like 10th grade and your first love was actually Pokemon. <laughs> how did, uh, <laughs> how did this all kind of transpire and how did you get involved with, with wrestling so late? Um, well, growing up, I, I didn't really like my, my parents were, you know, first generation immigrants. And they, um, you know, like I tried soccer as a little kid, but we grew, I grew up, you know, at, at that time I did like first through fifth grade in El Paso, Texas. So my whole soccer team was like, you know, kind of like small lightning fast Hispanic kids. <laughs> and so I was like the tall, tall, slow white kid trying to, trying to keep up. So that didn't work out very well. I got kind of discouraged there. Try So. And then after that, didn't really get excited about very many sports. There was, you know, pro- I probably, my body type was probably, you know, the only sport that fit my body necessarily at that time, you know, before I kind of figured my body out. Cause I didn't, you know, I didn't train for anything. I didn't lift. I didn't work out. Anything it was maybe football just cause I was a bigger kid, but you know, being, 
you know, Bulgarian, like we did, I mean, my, it was never a thing in my family. Like it was kind of a point of almost like my dad would like make fun of it. Cause he didn't understand it. You know how it's like, that's not football, like soccer is football kind of deal. So then never try football. Um, and then, yeah, the reason I really got into it was eventually in high school, my sophomore year, obviously the wrestling team worked out real hard. And my, uh, my plan was, you know, go, go out for, for wrestling, for some kind of sports team, just to get in shape, kind of just to get fit. Cause I was kind of chunky. And so I thought wrestling, you know, that's all they do. It's, this it seems like they just all work out all day. So I was like, <laughs> I'll give that a go. <laughs> and what's interesting to me is that obviously you're a very driven and disciplined person now, but before you got into wrestling, like you really didn't care that much about your grades or weren't that really obsessed with, with sports. How did that change so quickly? I mean, what what was it about wrestling that kind of brought you in so quickly? Um, I mean, I've always like, I mean, I don't know if it's, it's, I'm sure it's like this with anyone, but the things that interest you, you kind of go all in on. So, like, I, I, I mean, school. I wasn't a very fast reader. My my sister was just kind of weirdly savant-ish at like just school in general. She like, when we got here, she like skipped a couple grades. Um, she could like, she naturally just had the ability to speed read. So she could like, she could read like, you know, 800 page books in like an hour. I mean, I'm talking what? like stupid, like, 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 under, like, yeah, like, like, like cartoon fast. Like she just <laughs> reads down the middle. She just like lo- reads down the center of the sentences and her peripheral vision picks up the rest. She just, she can, and she comprehends all of it. She was just, and, and I just read, like I talk, I just read every word in my head, you know, and I, like at a conversation. So like everything was compared to her. It was just, I was always a step behind. So I think that was just nobody's fault, but that just kind of discouraged me. I just thought I was like, I'm stupid. I'm not cut out for this. So that's when I became like, like my, my thing was like, okay, I'll be the class clown. And so, but I was always, I had like, obsessive compulsiveness, you know, tendencies, you know, that's why like when I got really into Pokemon cards, it's like I went all in. Like I, I like had decks. I'd go to, I had a couple different types of decks. I'd go to tournaments. I'd, I'd scout opponents. I'd, you know, I would, I would every single second of my day was trying to figure out how to get better. I even went so far as to like when I ran out of money, cause as a kid, you don't make money. Like I would like steal from like card stores to like get the cards I needed. Wow. I, was, I was a little, I was a little, little scumbag, but <laughs> it was, so, so whatever it was, it was always, I've always been like kind of try to get into something and obsess over it until I'm pretty good at it. But I don't know something about the wrestling just, uh, it, it, it addicted me. So it was, I mean, it was the learning, the skill level, um, just the, the tech, the technical aspect of it was very mind consuming. Well, it's like a bottomless pit, right? I mean, you can never learn enough about it. And it's just for someone who's so obsessed like you, that's got to be really appealing because you can never go to the bottom of the, or the top level of it. I mean, you can always yeah. keep going. No, and that's, that's well said. So, and I'm, I'm the same way, man. I think a lot of wrestlers are in terms of that obsession. And my girlfriend actually thinks they probably have a problem. Like when I find something I like, I'll go so deep into it. It's, 
it, it's kind of it's kind of scary. And so obviously you did that with wrestling. And one story I found really interesting was I think your first year involved with wrestling. Tommy Rollins and Mako met in the finals. I think it was 2001, 2002, somewhere in that era. Um, yeah. Is that, and then what, seven years later, you're wrestling Mako for your first world team. What what year was that? Yeah. That was 2009. Dude, how the hell does that happen? <laughs> I mean, crazy, right? it's crazy. Um, so kind of like just talk us through that, that point. So, I, I mean, obviously you went to Nebraska Kearney. It sounds like your high school's had some ties there. So, you know, Division II champ a couple times, undefeated, Midlands champ. So, you had a, a great college run. Um, but then, when did you decide to go to a full-on senior career and kind of talk us through that build-up to that first trials with Baco? Um, well, yeah. So, I didn't – so, I mean, I did freestyle in high school. I went to Fargo, and I would try to – but that was more like to play catch-up. I mean, I, I started late. So, in my head, I was like – I got all this catching up to do. So instead of just like, just like anything, I mean, pretty much like our, our youth wrestling system in most places, it's like, well, how are you going to catch up? Well, just wrestle more matches. And so I'm just, you know, in, in the summers, my junior and senior year, I just try to go to every tournament. I try to get another 50, 60 matches in the summer to try to, you know, catch up on the seasons I didn't have. And, that freshman and sophomore year. And so, um, but that was the extent of when I got to college, it was, you know, exclusively folk style work out in the room in the summers, but my, uh, so my freshman year, you know, I ended up doing pretty well. Um, I got to be ranked second, got, ended up getting sixth. Uh, Les Sigmund beat me in the semifinals. Uh, they don't see the Division Two tournament. They kind of just like regional place it. So we were the number one and two guys, men of semis. He like majored me or something, and um, and then I just lost to two guys that that um, well, one that I had beaten that year, and another one that was ranked significantly below me, but had a pretty good tournament. So I uh, got sixth, but at the time, you know, coming in, I was like, you know, I had a a $600 scholarship, you know, didn't even cover all my books. Um, so I was pretty, I was pretty happy with being a freshman all American. And so that was enough. I think mentally that's about all I could handle. I just wasn't ready to win huge things yet. But that, but, um, sophomore year, um, I kind of came in with a little bigger expectation. Ended up getting second to Sigmund, lost one to zero in the finals. And that summer, I was like, um, my buddy and I were like, let's do a let's do a freestyle tournament. You know, we were all jazzed up. I just made this nationals finals, first finals I had made of my life. Right? I mean, I got fourth and third in the state of Texas, so never made a finals of anything. Um, in a big tournament, and right. so I was stoked. So. We go to Northern Iowa for the Northern Regional or the Northeast, whatever they call it. Northern Plains, yeah. Northern Plains, yep. And at the time, they had like an open division, and the winner can, you know, qualifies for the trials. So we were like, oh, dude, we're going to go and qualify for the world team trials. me crazy, you know? Well, I get there, and um, Sigmund's in the weight. 
because he just finished his career. He's going to go international. So I wrestle him and I tech him six zero first periods, old rules two that win two out of three periods. So I tech him six zero, and then he beats me like two one one zero or maybe two one two zero. Chest locked me in the third. So so in my head. Obviously, just like when the old rules came out, and I would imagine every college kid that didn't really full-time freestyle did, I just, I just turned it into a, a, a folk style match in my head. I'm like, well, I scored seven points. He scored four. I win in a normal match, you know? <laughs> so, so I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, I, like, I'm getting so much better. You know, like, all this stuff's going through your head. Like, okay. Like I can. And so, so that kind of jazzed me up. And so... My buddy knew uh, Moza Fay, who was a couple-time All-American for UNI at the time. And so we stuck around after Northern Plains to work out with UNI team. And Tolly Thompson oh, yeah. was, a world, was a world rep at the time. So he had just met, came off a bronze medal the year before. I think this we're talking 2006 this year. So, and then uh, the world team trials were coming up. He was training. So you know, Moza was like, hey, there's a heavyweight from Nebraska Carney here. So Tolly came in. We worked out. Um, and he ended up liking working out with me. So he, uh, invited me to the, to the OTC. He's like, you can come to the OTC as my training, you know, as one of my training partners, which was really cool. And so I went and watched him when, if he's like, if I make the world team. So I went and watched him, made the world team. And I think it wasn't, I forget where it was. It was like two hours North of Nebraska, of Omaha, but I forget where it was exactly, but. I remember watching him. He beats Mako. And then um, I go to the training center. And it was like, that was my first like taste of it. And so at the training center for two weeks, I'm wrestling with like people who I considered legends. You know, I mean, Damian Hahn, Daniel Cormier, Mola Wall, like these guys that were, I'm watching win national, you know, division one national titles and all that stuff. So, and I, you know, I did, I did pretty well. I, I like the same thing. I, I had a really good match with Cormier. I actually tech followed him in the first period, six zero. And then he beat me, you know, something, something in the next two. And then I had a, um, I just went uh, like a five minute, four minute go with Damian Hahn. And he, uh, and I took him down a couple, I think I took him down three times, but he, uh, front headlock threw me. And so in freestyle scoring, he, won but I, again in my head i'm like well college match i, I just shut him out he didn't take me down i took him out three times you know so so I'm, I'm doing all these like little equations in my head but i'm like man that's damian Hahn, you know he's awesome and so so with that being said i was like man like i so that's kind of when i decided like this is what i want to do full time and i love how you 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 interpreted each event kind of differently in your own mind and, and you said something i want to go back to is when you were a freshman you weren't ready to win yet like do you mean physically or mentally you weren't ready to win yet um uh, mentally mentally how do you mean i thought that's what you meant but um, i'd love to just go a little deeper there yeah uh i mean i just think that it just takes uh i mean i was very anxious in close matches um i couldn't you know, even, I mean, even in, in Fargo, like I, I, I was still kind of the, the wrestler who was like, per, like I would call it performance anxiety, I guess. It wasn't, it was like skirted over because I was still winning quite a bit. So it was kind of brushed under the rug a little bit, but my practice wrestling was 
like like significantly better than my than my uh, you know competition wrestling um and you know i just carried a lot of anxiety because i mean i that's at this time my ocd was like like super high and so i mean i had so many little routines in my warm-up that i had to complete to lower my anxiety i had specifically and then even in the match it's like if the technique just didn't feel perfect or if something fell off i would just like think about it and so um but you know in college i became i mean i like I said, it was a lot of it was brushed under the rug because I was just, I was able to win because I was just, I don't know, for whatever reason, I was, it was good. I had a good feel for it, but it wasn't like, like there's a lot of matches I won that I wasn't, you know, I didn't expect to win. You know, I mean, I surprised myself a lot just because that I just didn't have, I think that's the biggest piece that uh, was the most lacking from starting so late was just the belief, the belief that, and just the understanding that that no one's magic, right? Because I see these guys win huge premier matches and just like everyone else goes, oh my goodness, how did you beat him? You know, how'd you beat Machlin seven years later after you started and he was already in the national final ball? And it's like, well, I, same thing for me. I was like, I, I don't know. How did I? <laughs> so so that idea, like, I mean, even in the, my Fargo brackets, I remember, you know, guys that I lost to, it was like, just, I would just, I would be up by like three or four and I would just have a ton of anxiety and I would just take a bad shot for no reason. And then they would, you know, and I would just beat myself. And so it was just, you know, I couldn't win one point matches. It was like, I just, I, I didn't have like the, the, the piece about it. So just this idea of like, there is a stress to beating someone you're not supposed to. Right. So anytime the status quo is, is uh rocked, it takes the mental toughness to progress, whether it's win or lose. Right. So, so being able to disrupt the status quo on the winning end, it's, it's, it takes it takes a mentality because it's, it is very comfortable to almost beat a good person, right? You you almost beat him and you go, well, he was supposed to kill me, and it was darn close. I very well could have won. Walk away with your head held high. But the reality is, is a lot in those cases when that was my story, and a lot of those cases, I just didn't give my full effort because. I was complacent with that story. Isn't it crazy to think that that's very common that we kind of allow ourselves to get beat by one if you're supposed to get majored? I know I used to think that way all the time in middle school and had a lot of performance anxiety and it would be some stud from Chicago and I was from nowhere and I would lose by one. I felt good about it. And it's just, it's interesting to hear you say that because you're at the highest levels and then, you know, you had eight to nine years on the world team where you had kind of a lab to play around with this and, and, and reduce your anxieties. Like what are some, some key things you've learned over the years to reduce performance anxiety? Cause I've heard you say that professional athletes are in the business of, of removing or reducing anxiety. Yeah. Um, well that's, I mean, yeah, that's, that's, that's a good question. I mean, like, like the, the main stuff is, just learning how to talk to yourself remind so in those moments of delusion because like i said anytime you're disrupting the status quo it's it, it means it's funny on the uh, like on the winning end it takes toughness and on the losing end it takes you know a reality check right because if, if you get upset a huge upset goes against you you have to have the wherewithal you have to have the wherewithal to to understand 
that that's a momentary circumstance, right? But, but the, the tendency is I just got upset. Oh, I'm getting worse. Something's wrong, right? Was it my environment? Is it myself? Am I just bad? All right. So all these thoughts go through your head, but you have to have the wherewithal to go. Today is today. Momentary decisions, you know, I, I, I lost. Uh, doesn't mean in the grand umbrella of my career that anything is hugely amiss, but just small diagnosis, figure it out. Um, and then same thing on the winning end, you need to understand that at any moment, if you make the right decisions, put yourself in the right places, wrestle the position, the, 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 every, you know, correctly put the pressure in, in the right direction. In theory, you should win that position. And if you can do that, you know, if you can win five second clips for six minutes, you should be able to beat, doesn't matter what the guy's name is, doesn't matter how good he is, if you win every five second clip in a six minute match, you should, in theory, win the match. So just kind of, kind of like, but it, 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 it's, it's delusional when, when the anxiety comes and the big picture starts to hit you and opportunity and, you know, I mean, for me on the world team, it's like, once I got a family and once I got kids, I, uh, only the number one guy gets health insurance, right? And I don't have another job. So that was a piece of it. It's like, well, if I don't win, my family's not going to have health insurance. <laughs> like all this stuff, all this stuff, like starts to creep into your head. That's not purely the wrestling. And so you, in your own head, you have to find, you have to learn how to talk to yourself, things that, like meaningful things that remind you of, the the one specific moment where you chose to to progress in, in a difficult life, right? So you chose it. We chose a difficult sport. Um, we chose to pursue it to a level of eliteness, which is very difficult in anything in life. And um, at, at one point in our life, we were excited about it. So I wonder, like, right? There was always a, everyone starts with the question: I wonder how good I can be, right? Anyone that's like passionate. I mean, I'm, I mean, some people just get forced into it and are good and right. fizzle out and who cares. But anyone, the thing in your life that you're most passionate about, you're going to bounce your identity off of naturally. And it's going to stress you out the most because you don't want to fail. So you have to find the triggers that in your own head talk you back into accepting the challenge that you started with, right? Not the, not what wrestling can do for you, but the, the initial challenge was never, I want to be a world champ so I can get a good job. I want to be a world champ so I can make money and, and, and people can think highly of me. It was, I want to see if I can be a world champ because I wonder if I can be the best in the world, right? So it's that, it's that, curios, it's that curious question that brings you back down to, you know, brings you back down to, 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 to fight mode, so to speak. It's like, if you're, if you're curious about something and that's why it's so much easier, not so much, well, I guess it is, it's so much easier to get yourself up for something you've never done. Right. Like, like if you're trying to upset the three time world champ, you know, we, 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 like in layman's terms, we would call it nothing to lose, right. The, the nothing to lose moments um, are much easier to motivate yourself for because it takes a lot of things off the table and it just kind of goes back to the purity of, can I overcome this challenge? But once you become the champ and you're trying to defend the title, so to speak for the third time, the motivations change and you have to, and not a lot of people 
a lot of people try to motivate themselves late in their career the same way they were motivated early and it just doesn't work. You can, you, I mean, I'm not saying you can't be motivated. I'm saying there's just a different style and they just try to keep the same one. Like, Oh, I got to on the bed and it just doesn't work. So you just have to find the triggers that, that bring you back to that moment where you're sitting on the couch, eating potato chips going, I think I'm going to, and you're watching the NCAA finals and you're going, that's going to be me one day. Right. Well then, you know, fast forward five years, you're in the NCAA semifinals. Okay. It can be you. Do you still want to be here? You still want it. It's it, here's the opportunity that you said you've been wanting your whole life. You still want it. Cause so oftentimes our athletic story is this, Oh, you know, we train every day, twice a day. I don't drink. I don't do drunks. I don't party. I go to bed at nine 30. I wake up at six 30. I do everything right. I, I, uh, you know, I, I don't eat, I don't eat gluten or dairy. I, <laughs> I, I, you know, whatever it is, I, 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 I go to, you know, my parents take me here. I do everything. I, I accept every challenge. I go out, wrestle, uh, for, and, and all for the moment to, to, to be the best. And then when you walk out into the finals of whatever your goal was to shake hands, the only thing we can think is, please let this be over quick. Like get me get me off this mat. Mm. So it's just it's a bizarre mental thing, but I think it's it's pre- everyone does it. You know, it's it's not it's not like oh the, like the best overcome it, but it's not like oh the there's certain people there's certain people that are just so tough they don't have it. Like, no no no, they just they're able to overcome it or not. Some people are just so talented that they can be stressed out to the nines, and they'll still win. So that's why, as far as preparation and potential is concerned winning is not a great litmus test because there are people that can do the wrong things and still win um so you have to kind of and it's not reproducible um so so yeah you seem to be a guy who kind of balance that with just measuring self-progress i mean you love to see yourself grow in all areas of your life and as you kind of went through your competitive career and you had you you're at different points where like you're no longer the challenger. Now you're the guy who is the the reigning world team member. You probably had to measure progress in different ways than you did before. Yeah, and and that's what it, I mean. When you get to the elite level, it's it's very interesting because yeah, I mean, like there is there is some some brainwashing you have to do. I mean, definitely everyone, right? So I mean, at any moment, there is a time for brainwashing. It's like when my back was hurt and I was thirty. And, you know, there's a bunch of young guys coming up. I had to convince myself, like, even though I can't work out as hard, I just can't work out as hard as them. I can still win. Right. So, so you, uh, you, 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 you kind of plant your flag on different values. Right. So in the beginning of my career, it was, and most people, it's no one's working out as hard as me. Right. But then in the back end of your career, if that's the only way you're allowed to win, then you better retire now because you just can't work out like you can't work out like an 18 year old. So, so then it becomes, well, I understand wrestling, you know, I understand wrestling. So, so, uh, yeah, I mean, but that's what it is. It's charting your progress, um, in the controllables. It's always, you know, you try to maintain and that's why, you know, winning is not a good barometer because it's not necessarily under your control. Um, right. Can you, can, you can't choose to win, right? You just kind of do it or you don't. And so, so a lot of people think that, 
you know, well, this guy, this guy went undefeated. And I'd say, well, of course. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it, there, there's, there's a lot of things going to it, but yeah, I mean, I can, I can predict, I can, I can be a fortune teller. Yeah. I can, I can be a fortune teller. So check this out. Jordan Burroughs will not lose to any seventh graders. Boom. Like, <laughs> like, but that's not him. That's not, that's not him controlling the win. And that's not me controlling. That's not just because I said that doesn't mean that's why he's winning. It's, it's yeah. Like, like you're just, you're just playing the odds. You're just, you're bet. You're just betting the favorite. That's, that's easy. But if at any moment you start to split hairs, you can't guarantee me even Jordan Burroughs is going to win the Worlds this year. Like, you would, like, I would bet the house that Jordan Burroughs goes into every junior high tournament in the country and wins it, no matter what his circumstances. I don't care what his preparation was. I don't need to know what he's eating. I don't need to know how his family life is going. I don't need to know how his training is. I'm just going to bet the house. But when you ask me to bet the house on his World Championships performance, I need a, a little bigger picture, and I still probably won't do it. Right, like what's Sitikov so, doing? Is he in there? You know, it's like so many yeah, other factors. And so, keep it in the realm of controllables. Um, I try, and that's that's gauging progress, right? Your technical understanding of of whatever your craft is, your um, your ability to handle stress, your uh, your uh, ability to to force yourself to take risk under stressful situations, your your levels of strength, your levels of flexibility, your levels of conditioning, your um, all that stuff, right? So, so would you track but, all these little things when you were a competitor? Like you had different kind of categories you were tracking just to make sure you were you knew that you were doing the right things. I mean, you kind of—it's it's not like I had a notebook. It's just you. That those are the things you think about. So when you when you when I go into practice, you know, I always had a I always had an idea of what I wanted to get done at, at this practice. So whether it was engage guys in a hand fight way more where I want to allocate my effort. Is it, is it shot count? Is it, um, a specific skill? Is it just general toughness? Is it whatever? So, and then I would try to not gauge my practice off of what's the score, but off of whether I completed the task and how I handled, how I handled some of these situations like stress, like, you know, if, if, defense was is wasn't my thing and and i would just try to get you know i'd let guys into my leg and try to wrestle defensive situations did i when it got hard did i did i try to hang on for a stalemate or did i keep continue wrestling when they actually took me down did i get frustrated or did i shake it off quickly um if something went wrong and i wasn't doing well did i beat myself up or did i did i just did i just let it slide off um and the actual technique that was I, was I getting taken down the same way twice or was I changing something? Was I adapting? You know, how was my adaptability? So all these things that I could actually have a handle on, I would try to track. Um, and that's how I would kind of try to grade my practice late in my career. Because again, a lot of my, a huge piece of my career was me walking out of practice. I scored 50. No one scored on me. What a great practice. And it's like, well, that's not a great test because, that's, that's just not recreatable because you're just, that's not going to be the match with a goal. Right. Right. A goal is going to be, you know, a, a chess match, you know, that's, 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 you know, hard on the body. So, um, it's not like it's, it's more of like the things that you get to take home with you. Right. So a lot of time, I mean, the score stays in practice. It's not like it's okay. So I beat, let's say I, okay, I'll go in and I beat Steve Mako in, in a simulation match. That doesn't mean I get to start, 
well, I just beat CMOC on the practice room. Um, that doesn't mean I get to go whisper out goals here, like, hey, I beat Mako seven to zero. So can I start up by a couple points? Like, no, that doesn't work. And even 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 if it was Mako in a competition, it's like, hey, remember I beat you in practice last week, so uh, so forfeit. Right. Like, no, like like the score stays in practice. The the, the things that leave with you are the, the your decision making. So like, you know, how did I handle? Like, did, when he got it on my leg, was I like, okay, let's wrestle, or was I like, oh no, he's gonna take me down? What was my first thought? What was my, what was my thought? I, you know, the shot count when, when I got tired, did I shoot or did I protect all that stuff? Like that, like the decision to make. Cause then when you become someone who makes good decisions, those do go everywhere with you. One area I was really curious to learn about was the 2012 trials and the Olympics. So you, you talk about how Performance anxiety was something that kind of plagued you earlier in your career. But in the 2012 Olympic trials, you talk about having like an eerie calm about you. And you were kind of waiting for the stress to come, but it never came in. And obviously you made the team versus a few months later at the Olympics, you had a lot of self-imposed pressure on you. Why do you think that was? And it kind of compare and trust those two experiences for you. Um, honestly, were you talking about 2012? Yeah, 2012 trials, how you had that eerie calm and then... The Olympics, yeah. I remember you saying how you had a lot of self-imposed pressure on you and you were kind of tight and you, just looking at it in your, what you said is the, kind of like the wrong way, so to speak. Yeah, I just think that, so so that was kind of like, I mean, I just think that that was kind of like the, I was getting, I mean, the, the honest, the, the most honest answer, the, the 80% answer is, I don't know. I had not experienced that calmness before. Right. So that was kind of like, you know, a God thing, you know, maybe that's what I needed at the moment. Um, but so, so that's the 80%. The 20% is that I was like, that was like, I was just starting to get reality was just starting to hit me. So what I mean by that is all these things we've been talking about are things that you don't necessarily as an athlete want to admit to yourself, right? You don't want to admit that, Winning's not under your control. You don't want to admit that um, your hard work doesn't really guarantee you winning, right? So those are things we kind of brainwash ourselves and we lie. So those those aren't those are bad brainwashings. Those are those are because they're you're operating under a lie. But we we lie to ourselves by saying the the, the person that deserves it the most will get it, and and you are the person who deserves it the most. Right? It's 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 all anxiety relief, right? There, there's something innate in a person that 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 understands the reality of their circumstances. So here, the reality is, it doesn't matter what I do right now. It's what I do in the six minutes in the match. And, and there's nothing, there's no amount of preparation that can guarantee me a perfect six minutes of decision-making. I just have to literally do it then. And then afterwards I'll diagnose it. So, but no, but everyone wants a guarantee. And so that's when our own, you know, we start to lie to ourselves. Like there's no one else doing what we're doing. We deserve the hardest worker. Our opponents are weaker than us. They're not as tough as us. They're not, you know, so, so whatever it is, it's just, we have no idea if that's true. We just say it to relieve our anxiety. And so, um, even like admitting to yourself that the other guy is good at certain things. Like that's a hard thing to even accept. It is. It is. It's, it's very funny because it's like for a big piece of my career, it was like, I couldn't, I could never compliment someone in my weight class. Like if you were out of my weight class, like, oh, this guy's sweet at this, that guy's sweet, that guy's just sweet all around. But if it's like, even like, 
like in my own weight class, I'm just like, if this guy's a six time world champ, it's like, well, he's not, he's not that good. It's like, oh, what are you talking about? Of course he's good. Like, you know, right. Like, but, but you just try to like get yourself to, you know, you know, not deal with reality. And it just, it, it kind of gives you nowhere to go because then once you're hit with reality, you, 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 you freak out because you have no answer for it. But, um, and, and the longer a career goes, the more you just kind of like settle into these truths and you're like, listen, just cause he's good. Doesn't mean I can't beat him, but it also doesn't mean no good to pretend like he's not right. So, so this idea of like, you just got to deal with reality and be okay with the challenge that, you know, some people have bigger challenges than others to overcome, but that doesn't mean you can't. So, um, so this is just on the cusp of that. And so I think that what ended up happening just to kind of differentiate the trials and, you know, I, I think I did a lot of things, right. Um, obviously the level of competition, you know, is, I mean, it's not the trials are, is our country, you know, the world is everybody. And, and obviously they had really good competitors and, and, but it was, I mean, a different weekend is a different weekend. And so like, I, I just had a really good string of, you know, I went like, I went to the Uregan and had a very bizarre experience and lost in the finals. Um, but besides that, it was like, I, I won my next two international tournaments. I won the trials without getting a point score on me. I went to world cup. Um, I went undefeated. I beat, a really good Iranian. I beat um, the eventual uh, Olympic silver medalist uh, from Georgia. I beat, you know, like, like I just had this string of like really good performances because I think I, I was like, I was really putting myself, I was motivating myself in, in, in the right ways. I was, I was going out to fight to, I was excited about the challenge, but then when the Olympics got there, I think that one my injury freaked me out. Um, I, I like popped my rib out the day of the opening ceremonies what? and I, and I couldn't. Yeah. So I, so my rib pops out and I can't really do anything until the day I step on the mat. So I get shot up with lidocaine and then I go. And so, um, so that it didn't hurt my physical preparation, but I wasn't mentally strong enough at the time to go, Oh, that doesn't matter to like, like, like two weeks is not going to take away your body of work. But in my head, I was just young and dumb. In my head, it was like, I haven't drilled and I haven't drilled a shot in two weeks. Like, like it's over. Like my timing is going to be off. My conditioning is going to be off. Everything's going to be off. Everything's wrong. Right. So with that, you know, my OCD was kicking. So at the time I just wasn't mature enough to go, your body of work is fine. This is, you're just going to rest. You're going to shoot it up. You're going to go wrestle. But but what I did was because again, physically, I don't remember. It didn't hurt. There was never a moment where I was like, Oh, that was my rib. But what it did was mentally it collapsed me because it told me you're not going to be prepared. You're not going to be ready. And now I have an excuse. So now I have a preloaded excuse of the barrel. Like if I have a bad performance, I'll just whip this sucker out and tell everyone and everyone will feel sorry for me. And then the story on Travell will be, he should have won, but he was injured. Ah, oh, right. So, yeah. there, so there's my, so there's my anxiety relief, like barrel in the shotgun. So I already had this preloaded excuse and I go out, I beat Egypt. I beat the returning world champ. Um, and I have Tamazov and I'm thinking like, okay, like, I mean, I beat him last year and it's all good. But again, the, the turnaround was fast. I mean, I just never, 
a favorable turnaround. But anyway, so I go in, and 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 I I do remember, I remember this moment. I remember I get in on a shot and I suck his leg in, and he starts to give me defense. And I remember thinking like, gosh, if I battle really like this, this all happened in a second. But the, but I'm gonna tell you like this is this is what went through my head was like, I could finish this. I could finish this with a whole crap load of effort. Like I was in a position where. If I would have like flexed my whole body, if I would have like stopped, if I would have held my breath, I could have finished the shot. I was in the, I, I was, I was in the position where I'm very good in extended single and his hips were not that heavy. Um, but I remember saying, I remember I wasn't willing to give the effort in that, just that split second. It was like, I'll just stalemate this one. Like this one, this one's going to be too, this one's a little too much. It's early in the match. I'm going to stalemate. And literally the second, the second that like cascade of thoughts finished, he jumped to a cradle. Like while like like in that one split second where I decided to not give full effort and just to hold out for a better opportunity, he jumped cradle. And he rolled through. And yeah, you could say, Oh my goodness, it wasn't even close to his back, you know, whatever. But the reality was in my head, I was like, Yeah, that was that was I mean, I, there was a lapse. They call it a pen, right? Is that they call it a pen? Yeah. Holy, how dude that had that had to haunt you because in your mind you're like, listen, I'm in a spot where I could score here. A half second later, it's over. And did did that plague in your mind for maybe to this day? But like, what was that like dealing with that after the fact? Yeah, I mean, you just. You know, obviously I had to try to get up from a bronze medal match, but yeah, I mean, like no one else knew, right? It was like, oh, you got, and, and, and you, you accept the stories, like, oh, you got screwed, that wasn't a pin, that was cool, blah, 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 oh my gosh, one-time thing, what a fluke. But the reality is, is in my head, I knew, like, like I, 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 I stopped wrestling the position. Like, why, like, why did you stop wrestling in the position? And so... So yeah, it was, I mean, it was frustrating. It was frustrating, but, um, you know, it just gets, it gets thrown to the wayside. You know, I mean, obviously I'm like, like when I think, when I thought about every time you think back on it, it's like the, what if, but, but I do that. You do that with every match, right? Right. What if, what if, what if, like, what if I was more mentally tough? What if I would just attacked it? What if, I mean, all that stuff. So let's not forget either that, uh, Termat, how was it? Termizov? Is that how you say it? Termizov. He was in the Olympic finals for 16 straight years. Obviously, now we know he was on uh, he, he was on some type of performance enhancing drug. Not a surprise if you look at this specimen. Um, how freaking strong was this guy? And like, did he feel different? Yeah. So it wasn't even like the strength that felt different. It was like the body composition. Like uh, he hurt. He hurt to touch. <laughs> like club. Like like you club him. You club him, and it would like it would like hurt your hand. And every time you would down block, he'd hurt whatever you down blocked with. It just like, he was like, so his body was so hard. It just hurt to touch. It wasn't like he was like, so astronomically strong, but it was bizarre. Cause I remember like when I grabbed his like trap, like to some block and then he kind of like faked and it almost broke my thumb off. And I was like, what is this thing? Like, but, but you know, I had, I had beat him the year before and it was, you know, we wrestled the whole six, but, I, but that's like, in the third period, I slipped my leg out of the clinch and I had 30 seconds to defend and he's shooting, shooting, shooting. And I'm down block with my head. And I'm down block with my head. And every time he's hitting me, my head's hitting his 
or his shoulder or whatever I'm down blocking, it's like jarring my neck. And so like, literally I started to feel it. So right after the match, I'm like, Oh my God, like, I think I, I did something bad to my neck. And so like, by the time my semis roll around, my head's like pretty stiff. I can't really finish. I go to two clinches. I lose to the guy who I beat in the quarters the next year. Um, he gets both clinches. I'm in on his leg. He chest locks me out. Like I get a stinger, can't hold on. So, and then, uh, by the time I brought my, my, my bronze rolls around, who was, um, it was against the guy who eventually got silver in the Olympics, who I beat the world cup, who also lost his medal for doping. And he's a freak. He looks like a freaking monster. We go to a third period. He gets clinched. But again, it was like, I couldn't do anything. I, my, my neck. And, and it was one of the injuries that like, was very bizarre because because it like carried on so after those 2011 worlds it wasn't it wasn't until the 2012 Eurigan, so like january 29th so end of september to january every time i drove to the right with my neck i'd get a stinger every time like i i literally thought for months that like my career was never gonna be the same because it was like every time every time and i'm a shooting heavyweight so it's like am i gonna have to stop being am i gonna have to stop shooting am I, like you go through your heads like but it was so bizarre because I remember it was the first day of Eurigan training camp. We go to Osedia. We're at this, we're training with the Russians for like, I think like seven or eight days before we go to Eurigan. And it was like, we get there first day, we sauna, we roll around, boom, I drive stinger again, just like normal. And I'm just like, freak, dang it. Always every single shot, every single drill, stinger, stinger. So either, either small or big, it was just always there. And then I wake up the next day. It's gone, never came back. So it was like one of those like what? But it stuck. It was it literally stuck around from September, from the Tymazov match until end of January. But yeah, it was like one of those things where it was like I thought it was gonna be my life, and then suddenly, never happened again. So it was like super weird. Something about that Caucasus region, man, Ossetia, Dagestan. That's like the wrestling gods must have been with you out there because that's a that's a special <laughs> place, obviously, and. That is a that is a unique story. I was gonna ask you what the u- craziest story about the Griga was, but I'm guessing that's it. That you got there and just this injury goes away. Well, I'll tell you. So I'll tell you. So I said a bizarre experience. So so uh, I go out. Um, I'm in the finals of Uregan against Akhmedov, who actually is now the Olympic champion of 08 because Tamazov got that one taken away as well. <laughs> um, and. I, I make the finals, he's in the finals, and um sitting around with Zeke Jones before, and he says, can you believe they asked me if you wanted to throw this match? for?" And they said for all, so if they, they said they would pay me all three podium spot money. So the, the first, second, and both bronze money if I throw this match. And so I go, ha, well, what'd you say? And he goes, I said, heck no. And so I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And so that just got in my head. Like, like, like when the second he told me that I just thinking like, okay, this is obviously an important match. They're going to, they're going to screw me regardless. And so the fact that they were willing to walk up to my coach and say, can you throw this match? Like that instantly. And again, I mean, I didn't have the wherewithal to just go like, like it is what it is. Just go scrap. But so now I'm freaking, I'm on high alert. I'm freaking the heck out, you know? And it just got to me. Like I, I, I go out, I take them down. Um, they're, they're action, action, you know, like I'm trying to hold lead and, uh, 
just I'm, I look at the clock and he freaking arm drags me, wins one one. Then um he gets you know we get in the clinch, I lose the clinch, so it's like I hate I just, the clinch. Just, not, oh my god, I hate those I, old rules, dude. Jesus. I <laughs> hate that. That's those are the dark. Those are the dark ages of our sport. Hundred percent. God. And so, man, I don't think people realize how corrupt Fila used to be. And I think it's there's still some shenanigans that's going on, but hopefully it's gotten better. But I mean, how commonplace was it back then for like a Cuban to take second on purpose just to get all the money, or or just kind of those throwing of matches in general? Oh yeah, well, so I have a fun, so I, I wrestled in this Bundesliga in Germany with my Bulgarian passport, and and the interesting thing is, we we had all heard of it, and we're like, yeah, it happened. You know, we'd assume like it happens all the time, but it's funny because I talked to to you know some of the Bulgarian guys uh, that were on you know on those teams with me, and and they said, uh, I don't know if you remember uh, Radoslav uh, Velikov. He, uh, he's who got the bronze medal in 08 behind um, Cejudo. Cejudo beat him first round. Okay. He was a, a world champion, um, Bulgarian guy. He's a good wrestler, really good wrestler. And so uh, he goes, if a Cuban loses to Turkey, Azerbaijan, or Russia at any moment, he said it's not 100% that they sold the match. It's 1,000%. Man, so he said. He said Azerbaijan, Turkey, and Russia have like a lot of money in their delegation. He says it's not. It's it's not just a guarantee. It's it's definite. So so definitely, <laughs> it wasn't just us. It wasn't just us that thought that way, right? You look at Romero Satiev in two thousand. I like to think that that wasn't one of them because those two are so freaking good. I would have loved to see them scrap. But I mean, you just said it, man. A Cuban versus a Russian at the highest stakes, Sydney Olympics 2000. I mean, God, it's it's just crazy to think that that was so commonplace. Yeah, no, it's it's bizarre, but yeah, it's. But I mean, I you can't blame. I mean, if you've ever been to Cuba, you can't blame. I mean, it's like you they're they're using just like like we use our gifts and we get rewarded for it. They use their gifts. They don't get rewarded for it, so they find their own reward, right? I mean, it's right. They live in shack. It's, it's very, very impoverished. Dude, speaking of Cuba, so, what do you think of this Anthony Ichimita character? How how solid is this kid? Who who's that? The kid uh, who Anthony Ichimita. He's from Arizona. He won Fargo. Oh, oh the Fargo kid. Yeah. yeah, the Fargo guy. Yeah, I mean, I. I don't know. There's a bunch of stories floating around on him. He's like 23. He's he's been on this, but yeah, I, I thought it's just. I mean, all I know is his story is crazy. His story is pretty cool. Crazy. Story. And um, and he's also a pretty darn good wrestler. He was impressive. Yeah, no question. Um, now Turville, just really three rapid fire questions here. Then we'll then we'll let you go. Um, the first one for me is when you guys think about. You know, Snyder versus Sajulayev. Obviously, you're Snyder's coach. He's going to be the best we've ever had. Like, wh- what about Sajulayev makes him so unique uh, as a wrestler? Um, I mean, I think that, you know, he's just a really good mix. He's a really good mix of things that win. Uh, he's got, he's extremely fast, uh, explosive. He's got a, he's a tough man. He's got a lot of grit. And uh, his technical understanding is extremely high. So I just think that those three things, you know, 
stuck on anyone are going to do a lot of winning. And so obviously he's got some uniqueness to his build. He's got short legs, you know, long torso, his feet are far away all the time. They're very fast because they're a little shorter than people's. And, uh, he just, yeah, he uses his body mechanics to his advantage, but I mean, don't get it twisted. He's extremely tough man. And so like, he's, he's willing to wrestle really hard. And so, uh, but so, so is Snyder. And so that's why it's such a unique match because I think that, um, I think that we, you know, I think that, that Snyder is extremely, I mean, I think, I think he's the best at that. Yeah. I think he's the, the, the best at, you know, willing to, he's willing to put the most into a wrestling match. Um, I think Saudi life has very creative technique, but it's going to be a scrap. And so as of right now, um, we know that he, he, we know that he can win the, the minute and a half battle, but he still has not beat Snyder in a six minute battle. And so I think that, you know, that's going to be the question is can, you know, Snyder's can Snyder extend the match, stay out of the big move. Like yeah. who can recreate their performance? Can, right. can Saudi life go out and, and deck him or can Snyder rough him up for six minutes? Right. So. Just, and I'm not saying that if it goes six minutes, I'm guaranteeing Snyder. I'm just saying that as of right now, and I know Saju, it's in Saju Live's mind, he still hasn't wrestled Snyder for six straight minutes. So it'll be interesting. And just to your point, when both guys go in with such an elite mindset, like 0.001 of 1%, where they both know they're going to have to push themselves to that level, both of those guys have it. And that's what's so exciting about that matchup. Yeah. I mean, that's cool. Um, and then it's going to be awesome. And um, I said to Mar, what is wrap up with this though? I mean, you look at, at your life and you know, God only knows how different it would be if you didn't get involved with wrestling. And, and obviously the theme of this podcast is wrestling changed your life. Like how would you, if you look back on your career, how would you say wrestling is, has most impacted you and, and what's kind of the lasting, uh, lasting effects for you? Um, well, obviously it's my career. I mean, you know, I'm a wrestling coach. I, I, I love my life. I love my experiences. Um, it's something that I was, you know, fortunate enough to become, you know, pretty elite in as far as my understanding uh, and something I really enjoy. And so the fact that it mixes that way is really cool. But um, I would say the biggest way is, I mean, I, I think it's a really special sport to me because I think God really used it to, you know, reveal himself to me and just reveal my, myself to myself. I think it, it, it was a sport that was introduced to my life to, sh you know, and, and showed me who I was and I didn't like the person I was. And I, I was able to change, I was able to change the person I was. Um, and in, in doing that, I think it gave me a humility. I think it was a sport that gives you a humility and, and with a humility becomes a, you know, comes a kindness. You know, and I think, and that's one of the things that I believe is, you know, that I cherish is it made me a kinder person. I, w I wasn't a very good person when I was younger. And I think that the perspective wrestling, the hardships, um, the reality that, you know, I put everything into something and didn't achieve my dream, that people were holding me accountable. You know, every, you know, I mean, there was people that were beating me. There was people that could beat me. Um, but along the way I did have some success and, and was able to get excited about certain things just gave me a, a humility and a kindness to approach 
other people with. I think that it gave me, you know, like a lot of successful athletes take the route of, you know, and now because I'm good at, at this sport, I'm, I am better than you. You know, they treat people like they're better than them because they reached an elite level. I think wrestling did something different for me. I think that I could, you know, I just see, I just value people um, differently. I, I value myself differently. I, I don't want people to to value me because I was good at wrestling. I want them to see past that. And that's how I see people. And so I think it really just changed my worldview. Powerful stuff, man. And it's something where the elite of the elite, sometimes sometimes they go a different way, but they're usually very calm and just accepting because they, they put so much into it that they're comfortable with who they are. So I think that's definitely the case with you. And can't wait to watch uh, th- the future, man. You are one of the top coaches in the country. And with that new facility you guys have out there, it's going to be awesome for many years to come. And best of luck at the Worlds and the NCAs and the Olympics in the next 12 months here. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And thank you. Thank you for the blessing. No problem. Take care. Bye-bye. That's the end of this episode, but definitely not the end of the show. For more episodes, please go to wrestlingchangemylife.org. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us a star rating. Show the love, baby. Show the love. Thank you so much. We'll see you again soon. Peace.